Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. I'm geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What up and welcome in another edition of the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Really, really solid episode on tap for you today. Raheem Palmer does a great job covering the NBA for the Action Network. will be with us to discuss his thoughts on the Final Four, where we're at. Raheem, just like me, invested monetarily in the Los Angeles Clippers' successes in terms of an NBA Finals. And uh, much like me as well, feels vindication about the fact that the Los Angeles Clippers were, in fact, the best team of the Western Conference before. Kawhi Leonard went down with an injury. But we have a lot to get to, so we won't dilly or dally. But I wanted to discuss a couple of things here before we get to Raheem because I think it's really important. First off, uh, let's start with analysis of the game later this evening as the Los Angeles Clippers will be meeting the Phoenix Suns tonight. Game three of this Western Conference Final Series. Of course, as we know, Clippers staring another 2-0 deficit in the face in this series heading back home. And that's where I wanted to begin. Not so much with this series as a whole because, look, after two games... The Clippers, it's eerily similar, right, to what happened against Utah. Two very winnable games for the Los Angeles Clippers. Single digits, or single possession, I should put it that way. I always put that. Single possession games in the waning seconds of each, and yet unable, especially, oh, just a traumatic way to lose game two. But regardless, I want to discuss a theory that we all know is very, very prevalent in betting the NBA in the postseason, 
The Clippers are down 2 nothing and heading back home. Value, baby, right? Let's go out there and let's pound away. First quarter, first half, let's fire, let's roll, let's do it. Problem here. A very big problem. First off, let's talk about the numbers themselves. Clippers right now are a one-point underdog at home. And yet, first half, they are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. First quarter, they are a one-point favorite in a lot of stops. There's actually a couple half points out there, so essentially a pick. But here's the deal. There is no value for you as a better in betting into these situations. Went back, thanks to DraftKings for helping me dig up some of the first quarter numbers from the uh, postseason previously. This postseason only. And I'll give you the numbers first, and then we'll dive into what exactly we saw as betters. Teams that are down 2 nothing going back home are 2-4 and four against the spread in the first quarter this season. Teams down 2-0 going back home are 2-3-1 and one against the spread in the first half this season. That is not good. <laughs> Those are losing records. But here's the deal. It's more than just the losing records here, folks. Let's walk through some of the numbers and we'll show you how there's really no value in betting those kind of things, right? We'll start with the Wizards and 76ers. So game three, right, down 2 nothing, going back home. Wizards were a 5.5-point underdog for the game. 5.5-point underdog for the game. And yet, in the first quarter, they were 2.5-point favorites. They were 1.5-point underdogs in the first half. If that doesn't show you enough of a discrepancy, I don't know what does. Philly beats them up in both quarters, and you lose both first quarter and first half. But go through this list. Milwaukee, a 1.5-point favorite for the game against the Miami Heat in Game 3. Right? Heat going back down, uh, going back home down 2 nothing. And yet, Heat were a one-and-a-half-point favorite for the first quarter. They were a one-and-a-half-point favorite for the first half. Got blown out in both quarters. Milwaukee wins first quarter and first half. And, it, and again, it's not about the result. It is about the numbers that you, as a better, are getting. Brooklyn and Boston. Brooklyn was a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in that game against the Boston Celtics. And yet, Boston was a first-quarter favorite at minus one-and-a-half. Brooklyn ended up winning the first quarter just barely. Right, they were only down by one. Boston ended up pushing, uh, excuse me, uh, winning the first half as a whole. But regardless, again, as you look at this, the number that you are getting as a better a seven and a half point spread for the game, and yet you are only getting three in the first half, and you're laying one and a half in the first quarter. So as you might sit back and you'll hear a lot about, hey man, there's a lot of value in this trend. It's been hitting at a large clip. The books have adjusted, and there's a reason why you hear large sample sizes when it comes to this trend. Because this season, again, you are 2-4 and four in the hole if you're betting first quarters on these teams that are down 2 nothing going back home. And you are 2-3-1 and one against the spread if you are betting first half on these teams going back down or going back home down 2 nothing. And the Los Angeles Clippers fit this bill here today. So just, for, just, just a reminder for you, it's a really popular trend and I totally understand it. But at the same time, it is for you, right? We always use the word value. It's the V word. Everybody wants to use it. I don't find value here. There's value here. There is no value in betting this trend anymore. The books have adjusted. You're getting awful numbers, and this has regressed, and you're seeing it at like a massive clip in this postseason up to this point. So it's definitely something that you as a better should keep track of as you move forward, and it's just something that we should really, really get out there. Now, as far as in as far as what we just saw between Milwaukee and Atlanta. God damn, man, we got to give these Hawks credit. They are absolutely phenomenal. Trey Young is becoming more and more and more popular, and he is becoming more and more uh, one of my favorite players to watch in the association. Absolutely brilliant performance from him and the Atlanta Hawks yesterday, getting a game one win over the Milwaukee Bucks. And how, like, 
I, like you don't even know. Actually, I don't even. I shouldn't even put it that way. You know where to start. Trey Young yesterday, seventeen to thirty-four from the floor, forty-eight points, had eleven assists, seven rebounds, was totally brilliant. Here's the thing, and I asked this to Raheem. You're going to listen to in a couple of minutes. Do we trust Mike Budenholzer to make adjustments? If you read my write-up and you listen to any of the hits here on VSIN, one of the things that, of course, I had mentioned multiple times that the Hawks have going for them. If the Bucks are going to roll out this drop coverage on pick and rolls, guess what's going to happen? Trey Young is going to eat them alive in that soft mid-range area of the floor, and they absolutely did. Trey Young was brilliant in that area, hit so many. He was a lot of floaters, finishing on some of these alley-oops, but the three-point shooting as a whole, again, pops up and is really solid for the most part in terms of the at least the the, uh, the amount of three-point shots that he hit. Wasn't really efficient, 4 13. And look, when they went small, Milwaukee, they forced him into taking some of those bad logo shots. It's not really his hit right now, right? It's not really where he goes in terms of his offensive game. But there's a couple of things that stick out here, right? And I think Raheem brings up a great point. Because I thought at the end of that game, some of the more effective defensive possessions were when finally Bud decides to wake up and go small with Giannis at the five. They were really solid throughout the shot clock, but gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. John Collins, Clint Capella... Combined for nine offensive rebounds, the Hawks finished with 12 overall. Were absolutely brilliant on the boards in that regard in terms of their offensive rebounding rate, in terms of grabbing their missed shots. 26.7 in terms of the offensive rebounding rate for the Atlanta Hawks compared to 23.5 to the Milwaukee Bucks. So those small ball lineups, it's pick your poison. Do you want to trade off some really solid um, defensive possessions for maybe a weakness along the glass? which I would argue that I think you want to do to the most part, for the most part because that soft area of the floor, Trey Young is going to kill you again from that area if you keep doing this drop, pick, and roll coverage garbage. Or do you stick with what you're going with and hope that Trey Young's shooting falls off? And I do think, as I mentioned in the piece, right, my, my uh, Bucks in four bet, I think that's over with. Still got the Bucks in five. But as I mentioned, yesterday was on Atlanta, plus eight. Already took him again, plus seven and a half, because this is going to be an uber competitive series. Because the Hawks do have a lot in their arsenal that is going to bother Milwaukee as a whole. And you saw it yesterday. And until the market adjusts, I think this should be probably a lot closer to six, six and a half than it should be eight. And I'm still going to find myself on the Atlanta Hawks quite a bit from a side perspective throughout this series. So we'll see if Bud wants to make the adjustment. You wasted a good Drew Holiday game. Finally, he wakes out of wakes up from his shell offensively, but you waste it away. So let's not waste any more time, speaking of. Uh, Raheem Palmer is going to join us on the other side. We talk about uh, what he sees in a lot of these series, what he feels like from the Ben Simmons situation as well. He's a Philly guy, so we'll get his thoughts on what the 76ers might do. But please, again, as I always plead, like, rate, review, subscribe. Always appreciate the support for the podcast. Raheem Palmer joins us next. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT at Roach underscore 97 and at VSIN Live. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. All right, let's welcome in the guest for this week. Uh, he was with us really early, actually, in the life of the podcast. I think episode two or three, Raheem Palmer, writer for the Action Network, does an awesome job in terms of covering the association over uh, for Action. So what's up, man? How, how has this uh, postseason been treating you? Uh, we'll get into everything in terms of the games, but I'm really curious, and now that we're down to the Final Four, what's been going on with you? Okay, life has been crazy. So I actually went to both game sevens. I went to um, – I, I live in Philadelphia. Um, I had a um, – after, after – like, first I had the Nets in game five. So I bet them for really big money. And then after they won game five, I came back and took the Bucks down 3-2 at plus 195 to win the series. Yeah. And I live in Philadelphia, and I decided, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to game seven. And I actually bet the Bucks in game seven. And I was sitting courtside. I was sitting right behind Travis Scott and Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm, like, screaming at the top of my lungs because I have this big Bucks bet in. And, you know, that hit. And then the next day I drove back to Philly and I was like, you know what? I want to go to game seven again. Yeah. So I, I actually went to game seven. I had, um, of course, I had seats for that one. Seats weren't as good as the ones I had in Brooklyn because Philadelphia people actually care about their team. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I took a little um, – it was disappointing, but I saw the way the game was going and I took the Hawks' second half. So um, they ended up winning. But, you know, um, it's been really been, I've been a great postseason – um, I'm enjoying this this conference finals, even though I wish Kawhi Leonard didn't get hurt. Yeah. Oh well, and we'll get to that because I know that you uh, you have uh, some interest in the Los Angeles Clippers uh, monetarily as well. So I'm curious. You know, I, I ask this a lot because. Um, your philosophy when it comes to betting the postseason. So, like, Raheem, for me, I tend to get a little bit more patient. You know, I'm really analytically and data-driven, and so, you know, I feel comfortable betting series and sitting back and waiting for good prices on those because I'm confident that the numbers and the analysis that I see is going to play out over the course of a larger sample size. So I won't get involved game-to-game -game unless there seems to be some pretty big anomalies on a game-to-game -game basis. How do you handle uh, postseason betting? I'm doing a little bit of everything. Like I'll play series prices. I'll play, I play, I like to play game to game just because I feel like I can, 
I can figure out the adjustments but like the teams mm-hmm. are gonna make. Like, I mean, you're a Clippers fan. You see Tyron Lue. He's 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 a little bit slow to adjust, but once he like, you give him a couple games, he's gonna figure things out. And so, so like with the with the Jazz series, he went small, and, and I felt like the Jazz had no answers. So then I'm really I got a chance to hammer every single game. Yep. So let's talk about since that's a natural jumping off point here, uh, Los Angeles Clippers and Phoenix Suns. Uh, this podcast will be up today on Thursday, so we'll get that game uh, later this evening. No rest for my Clippers. The league hates them, obviously. Um, so let, let's talk about this from, from a game plan perspective. Um, I haven't seen anything officially yet on Chris Paul. We know we have the report that they are confident that he is going to play. So we'll see if that is actually going to officially be announced by the team or the league. Uh, so let's just start with the fact that uh, let's say Chris Paul plays here. Uh, at this point right now, according to the market, we're still sitting at uh, Phoenix. It depends on where you shop for your numbers. Uh, but I'm looking at my screen right now. I've got, uh, if it loads up here, here we got like, Phoenix still minus one on your screen as well? Yeah, same yep. thing I have as well. Yeah, so so the Suns are a one-point favorite or so. You'd expect that that's going to get to like two or something like that if Chris Paul's officially announced. So let's say Chris Paul plays. We'll put it simply. What is the hope of the Los Angeles Clippers if Chris Paul is going to be out there later tonight? I think the hope is that Chris Paul is rusty coming back from the health and safety protocols. I'm a really big – like, this is one of the spots that I always like to play. I like to fade teams where a star player is coming back. you got a guy with a heavy usage – you know, being reincorporated into the lineup. And I think that's that's always tough on teams. I don't really have the exact numbers on that, but that's something I like to like I like to play. And, you know, in this particular spot, there's always the desperation angle. So mm-hmm. you see the the Suns are actually laying a point, point and a half for the full game, but for the first half, the Clippers are laying the first half. And <laughs> I mean, we all know about teams down 0-2 coming home. You know, I think they're like 31 and nine the last five stops five seasons and that's like 77 percent and even though it's being priced in I still feel like there's an advantage there so I think that's that's where I'm looking to take it tonight so when we talk about adjustments it's funny I you know it's funny Raheem is like I think one of the more underrated aspects of the series that is not being talked about as much is you know there was a lot of why is Zubac playing so many minutes but I I think what, what's being lost here is I don't know if Ty Lue's got a choice because Marcus Morris is hurt. It seems like he's not fully healthy, right? He only plays 21 minutes in game one, only 25 minutes in game two. And I don't think we saw him in the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. And so when we talk about adjustments for Ty Lue, like in your opinion, what is left in the bag for him? Because the one thing I could think of is more minutes for Luke Kennard and you're trading off, you know, defense for offense. But he showed in the fourth quarter that he's still got that lightning quick release and he can really help them in that regard. But I think that's the only card he's got left to play. I think I think the the one card he has to play is playing Nick, Nicholas Batum more. He yeah. only played 15 minutes in game two, and then I think he only played 20 minutes in, in game one. He's playing Rondo way too much, and Rondo really yeah. isn't. He's not playoff Rondo of old. So I think you got to play Batum a little bit more. Um, I haven't seen like I, I'm I'm really confused about this Marcus Moore situation because in game one he didn't start the second half, but then he played later in the game, mm-hmm. and then in game two he played. But he really hasn't been on the injury report. So it's just – like, that's confusing to me. So I, I, I kind of need to see more. Like, I'm going to assume that you're going to get 24, 25 minutes out of him. But I think if they play Batum a little bit more, they have – and I, I think you probably have to play man a little bit more as well. So Yep. I completely agree with that. And you're right. He hasn't been. And, like, for right now, uh, on the injury report again, it just came out the 1031, at least for the uh, the West Coast. Um, Serge Baca, Kawhi Leonard, both on the injury report, but no Marcus Morse. So if there's a limit on minutes, 
And that's the thing with Ty Lue, right? Sometimes you scratch your head because he does use the first two games as like that weird adjustment period where you don't know what's going on with the rotations. You don't know what he's thinking. But when he finds something, he'll beat you over the head with it until you figure out what's going on. And I'm really interested because I think the trade-off from a schematic standpoint is with this small ball lineup because there's a lot of, well, DeAndre Ayton's going to kill you. If DeAndre Ayton kills me with 25 and 15, like I'll take it because I'd rather go small, be able to shoot the lights out, force him out in space on, on the perimeter. And he's not as bad as a Rudy Gobert on the perimeter, but it's still not where he wants to be, you know? Yeah, I mean, the Clippers, they're out. They're, they're staying in this series with the three-point shot. Like, I, yep. I mean, they have 33 three-pointers in this series. I think the, the Suns only have 19. And you could look at some of those games. I mean, like, even game two, I mean, the, the Suns are up 96, 90, 90. Paul George hits a three, and it's just like they're right back in it. And it's just – it feels like they're just – it feels like the Suns just have this math problem, but they're just so hyper-efficient yep. that, you know, they're, they're getting by. But I think at home, if, you know, the role players are going to shoot better, as they say role players do at home, then the Clippers have a really good shot to steal this one. Yeah, less Rajon Rondo. Couldn't agree more. No, more Nick Batum. Uh, maybe a little bit more Luke Kennard. As he is, I think he has shown, at least from an offensive standpoint, he he's well worth his weight. Maybe defensively gets a little lost, but if you play a little bit more zone and you're switching everything like they are, he won't get lost as much. It's just like, all right, man, just, like just switch everything and, and don't worry about it. Unless it's a big and and you'll be absolutely fine. So overall, what do you have in terms of the Clippers? You have futures, right? Yeah, I have the Clippers. I took the Clippers to win the Western Conference yep. and the NBA Finals back in February. Like, okay. I was one of those people who I, I really wasn't high on the Clippers last year. I do not like Doc Rivers. I call him Glenn because there's only one <laughs> Doc in Philadelphia. I do not like Doc Rivers. Um, I love Lou Williams, you know, just as a person because I actually partied with him in Philly during my DJ years. Um, but I felt like him and Montrezl Harrell with like, defensive liabilities. And I just – I wasn't high on the Clippers last year, and I felt like they made all the necessary changes. Now, of course – one of those changes was Serge Ibaka. And I feel like if he was in this series, this yeah. series would be completely different. So, you know, I made those futures best back in February. And obviously I didn't know Kawhi Leonard would, would get hurt. So I'm not going to really be able to see this come to fruition the way I thought it would. But I felt like I made a great bet. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I feel so I'm, I'm like indignant on this now because after they beat Dallas uh, for our website at Vison, I wrote a piece like, you know, the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. And then, yeah. you know, they do what they did against Utah. And I am – nobody will talk me off for him of they were the best team in the West. If Kawhi Leonard – even without search, if Kawhi Leonard was healthy, I think they're a terrible matchup for Phoenix. I think they showed in those games in L.A. against Utah how much better they are than teams and they have figured things out. Like, I'm indignant. You will not talk me off of the fact that this was the best team in the West if they were fully healthy. There's no shot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, and, and sometimes I've had to learn that sometimes the best team doesn't win. Like right. – like, I honestly felt like I would go to my grave believing that the 2018 Rockets were better than the Warriors that year. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the same situation here. And, you know, a lot of people want to criticize Paul Drews for missing those free throws. But like you said earlier, the Clippers aren't getting any rest. They played four. Paul Drews played 453 out of the possible 528 minutes the last 28 games. I mean, this guy's played 40 minutes and 10 out of the last 15 playoff games for the Clippers. And it's just like he's giving it his all. He's like he's leading the postseason in minutes. I, I just don't want to hear any more Paul George slander at all. This guy is returned to form from his Pacers years. I think it's just he, they're not catching a break right now. This is the Hardwood Handicappers podcast only on the VSIN Podcast Network. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play yep i completely agree with you the paul george thing is lazy and i'm a little over too and it's funny how two missed free throws completely negate the fact that he splits a double team and finishes and also hits a tough mid-range jumper to give him a lead multiple times in the last 30 seconds but uh, that's fine i am i'm very much a stand of paul george and uh, doesn't he gets a lot of crap for no reason whatsoever so all right, let's move on to the next series. But before we move on to the series as a whole, let's rewind a little bit because obviously you're a Philly guy. You see the, the Philadelphia stuff in the background, the paraphernalia. So I have been – this is a simplistic way to put it, but I will ask this and I'll ask your opinion on it. I thought that last series for Atlanta was more about what Philly failed to do as opposed to what Atlanta did. And I think when you win a series over seven games and you still post a negative 3.7 net rating that tells you what you need to know about what transpired in that series, do you think that's a fair assessment of that? I think it's fair, but I do think we have to give Atlanta some credit. Like, yeah. I mean, like even in that game seven, um, they hunted Seth, Seth Curry pretty much off the floor. And I thought that was big. Like, I, I felt like it's just like little things. I mean, we have three all-NBA centers. We have Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. They're all out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's for different reasons, but a big part of it was their inability to defend certain mm-hmm actions and I love Joel and B but Trey Young got that lob to him lob to Capella all day either the lob or the floater and I felt like that was big I mean Joel and B he played his heart out and I'm never going to criticize Joel and B but it's just when you have when you have key things that you can exploit I think that's big and the fact that Atlanta was able to do it with the personnel that they have 
I got to give them some credit, but I do think a lot of it was Philly. Philly should have won that series. I think one of the things that people are underestimating is the loss of Danny Green Mm -hmm. because he would have provided that two-way three three and D wing. And, you know, they wouldn't have been able to hunt Seth Curry if he's in that situation. Like, you know, they put in – Doc put in Thibel down a stretch of game seven, and Thibel immediately fouls Herter. And I think that was pretty much what – Yeah, that pretty much, you know, iced the series. So it's just like Philly did a lot wrong. But, I mean, they had certain things go against them. And then you got to give Atlanta some credit because they really did a good job at exploiting the things that they could. And it's a great point about the centers because I thought what you watched last night, especially down the stretch where Bud finally gets his head out of his ass and he goes to that Giannis at center lineup and all of a sudden – and, look, granted, they ended up losing – but that was the best stretch of defense for Milwaukee throughout that entire game because all of a sudden that little soft mid-range area with Brooke Lopez dropping back in coverage isn't there anymore. And Trey Young's like, oh, wait, no, I can't just drop floaters anymore. So let me just settle for really big threes. And they stop falling. Now, ultimately, they get it done. Do you trust Bud that he's going to realize, okay, we are best with Giannis at center in this type of a matchup. This drop coverage clearly is not going to work against a guy like Trey Young who loves that area of the floor and the shooting follows from there for all these guys. Let's go small and let's get away from what I've been doing this entire time. I trust Bud, but I think the problem is is that even when you switch, you give up something. So basically, when they switch – they gave up a ton of offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds won that game for the Hawks. Like, there was, a, there was a, um, a play in which I think they had three offensive rebounds off threes, and then Jai Collin hits the three to bring it within one. And then the game winner was obviously Clint Capella's offensive rebound. So mm-hmm. you're pulling Giannis out of the paint, and you're removing that extra rebounder. And also, the, the, the Hawks have proven that they're going to match a hunt. Um, so it's just – no matter what you do, you're giving up something. Mm-hmm. But I think Milwaukee's the better team, and I think that should play out throughout the course of the series. But I definitely think after watching that game, I think Atlanta's live. But I think – like, I don't think it's going to be a gentleman sweep. I think we're looking – I think Atlanta could still win at home. But I, I think without their wings and, and um, DeAndre Hunter and a banged-up Bogdanovich, they're, they're – they're kind of fighting an uphill battle. Like, I don't expect Trey Young to drop 48 every game. <laughs> right. No, and so the, like, so my thought on the series was, I, like, in our write-up over at the website, I put, you know, I, I took the, the Bucks in five, but I also put in there, and, I, you know, I was on Atlanta yesterday catching eight because I, I think this is going to be a series where, from a series perspective, if we look back, we'll see, oh, that was a relatively short series, but each one of those games is going to be uber competitive. Like, there were a lot of things in this matchup that Atlanta could do offensively that would bother Milwaukee, and you saw it in game one, exactly what you thought was going to happen, exploiting the job coverage, shooting the ball extremely well, like you mentioned, being able to rebound. Atlanta is a super underrated rebounding team. I think it's what helped them a lot in that New York Knicks series too. So as we move forward, look, so we got like game two, for example, uh, Hawks opened up plus seven and a half. We don't see a massive adjustment, right? Market closed eight yesterday, seven and a half here. And I think the market's got to make a little bit of an adjustment here because I think, I think I'm with you, right? The Bucks are going to win this series. They have so much that over the course of four, five, six, seven games, it'll play out in their favor, but they're not like seven and a half, eight points better on their home court than this Atlanta team. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I, I think Middleton's got to play better. I mean, at the yep. end of the day, Middleton's not going to go 0 for 9. He's not going to go 6 for 23, especially with the, the lack of wings here. I'm expecting a bigger game from him. It's just it's, it's a shame that they kind of wasted a 33-point game from Drew. <laughs> right, especially so, after how he'd been playing, right? Yeah. it's 
that's 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 the rough thing. So I, I think I think the Bucks can find themselves in a little bit of a dogfight, but they're they're, they're no doubt they're gonna, they're gonna win this series. <laughs> Uh, so let me ask you, so before we get you out of here again, Raheem Palmer with us, Action Network does a great job covering the association over there. Uh, let's bring you back to the Philly roots uh, because this is, of course, the topic of conversation in the NBA circles. Now, uh, I feel like I don't want to quite give up on Ben Simmons, and I feel like there's still quite a lot there given the proper path that he takes in terms of his development and what's around him. Uh, but what say you? I was willing to drive Ben Simmons to the airport and get him <laughs> James Harden at the start of the season. But, I mean, we all know the situation with um, Fertitta and, and Houston, that wasn't really – it wasn't going to work out. But I think right now there's no way that you can trade Ben Simmons because you're basically selling low on him. Yeah. And I, th- I think you kind of got to build him back up, almost like a boxer, um, after taking their first loss. And I, I think he just had a bad series. Like, there's – I think that was the worst of Ben Simmons. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see Ben Simmons play at the level that he did in that series. So I think you kind of got to build him up a little bit and then try to make a trade because right now I don't know how much you can really get for him. Right. Well, and that's because that was my argument. There's been a lot of like, hey, C.J. McCollum. And, I'm you know, you watch Philly closely. I don't know if C.J. McCollum is what they need, right? I think they need more of like a a one, a guy who's going to be able to be a threat north-south and attack in multiple areas of the floor, work well with Joel Embiid off ball, like that kind of a thing. And C.J. McCollum is a good good player. Don't get me wrong. But, like, his archetype as a player I don't think fits what Philly needs. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're getting – to me, you're getting worse on defense, and you're yep. not really improving that much on offensively. Like, what you really need, you need Damian Lillard. Right. But it's like, how realistic is that? And it's just like, to me, I'm not willing to make that defensive drop-off for just C.J. McCollum. It's like, like, I would need Paul George or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least somebody who can give me something, you know. CJ's not it. I, right. I love no, him, but <laughs> oh, I like the the global odds have like I think it's Portland and then it's uh, Washington as the top two, and clearly the ties are Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal. But if you're Portland or Washington, like what the hell am I giving up? either one of those guys for Ben Simmons at this point. Exactly. So I, I think you kind of got to wait it out and, and see if you could build them up before you're making a move. All right, Raheem. Before we get you out of here, let everybody know where they find the work and what you've been up to because I know you've been busy. Oh, yeah, I've been busy. I'm, I'm over at the Action Network, Raheem Palmer. My Twitter name is DJR to the Izzy. That's D-J-R-T-O-D-A-I-Z-Z-A. Um, you can find me. We, we got the Heat Check Show. That's every Thursday night. Myself, Matt Moore, Chris Raybon, we give out picks. I'll have a pick for you tonight. We got the um, Action Network podcast. It's, it's called the NBA Buffet. We'll probably change the name to the Victory Lap because me and my guy, Brandon Anderson, we always love to like kind of brag about our, <laughs> our bets. We're, we're very competitive. It's a, it's a very competitive thing. So um, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be doing something that I love. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Raheem, thank you very much for the time, man. Appreciate it. Oh, no, no doubt. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.